Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is a football Friday with the Jazz playing the Kings in Sacramento. We got you covered here in the 6 a.m. hour. We got Joe Ingles coming up. We got Brian Keel to talk Cougars and Aggies. Who should start a quarterback for BYU? But first, PK and I with Utah linebacker Francis Bernard as the Utes get ready for Washington. You always have plans. You always have dreams. But you know it's a roller coaster and they don't, things don't always work out the way you want. Standing here today, and I know there's still a lot of football to come, but standing here today, is this playing out about as well as you could have hoped when you came here? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, I plan to come in, make an impact, um, and, you know, just stand out as much as I can. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm just fortunate enough to have made the plays I've made. And, you know, we, like I said, there's a lot more football to be played, and we're just excited for the rest of the season. So we saw you at an early age on another team make some phenomenal plays in the very stadium that is now your home games. So obviously you're a good player. You've been a good player for a number of years. But how much have you grown as far as personally as opposed to on the field? I've, I've grown a lot. You know, uh, I went from being immature and not really knowing what I wanted in life. You know, all I really knew was football, and that was about it. outside of football. You know, I was reckless, but... Uh, Thanks to people in my life now, you know, my wife, uh, my family, they've, they've been able to stabilize me and help me, you know, veer me in the right direction. But, you know, there's just so many factors in my life that's helped me uh, mature. And thanks to that, I'm, I'm able to be even a better football player. So you could definitely draw that line and you could tell that to incoming freshmen because, you know, you're not the first guy or the last guy who's going to go through this. But you can tell the incoming freshmen how what's happening off the field is going to impact what you do on the field. Oh, absolutely. I, I, you know. The coaches stress about it all the time, you know, not not just from your life, but even school. You know, school is a direct correlation to, you know, whether or not you'll get a job after after football or, you know, just outside of football in life. Like, just everything you do just aligns with success. And, uh, you know, I just – I've been able to kind of put it all together. And now, you know, I'm just continuing to climb. And I'm just I'm, – like I said, I'm just, I'm just excited. I'm grateful that I'm here. That's an interesting concept that – the struggles that you had, which, you know, as, a, as somewhat of a public figure locally, those those have all been documented and played out in the media, so there's no point in running from them. And because of those, you believe that it's made you a better football player. I'm wondering if you didn't have those and everything had been great, would you be as good of a football player as you are now? Oh, I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I look back and I regret, you know, the, the, the things I've done, and I, I just look back and I'm like, man, you know, had I just took things more serious – then you know I, I I wouldn't have to I wouldn't have to gone through the things I would have gone through. But you know everything happens for a reason. Um, I'm glad I'm here, and you know we're making making uh, something special happen over here. And you know we're, I'm just excited. Does the maturity though help when you're preparing for a game? You still the athlete you are. You saw the competitiveness, but you know sitting in a film room early in the week, extra film, trying to get every day everything down rock solid. When you're in a game, recognizing stuff earlier from whatever keys you picked up makes you quicker in a game. Yeah. Right? We'll praise your quickness, yeah. but really it's the early recognition that sets everything up. Yeah, you know, you hit it right on the money. You know, it's, uh, I treat this year as if I'm already in the NFL. You know, I'm here early in the morning, you know, getting film in, you know, eating right, just doing everything right because I know, you know, at the next level it's going to be that times 10, and, you know, I'm just trying to prepare myself for that. And, um, you know, I just I look at myself as a pro now, and so I just I, I act like a pro now. So how sweet is it for a linebacker to play behind that defensive line? Oh my gosh, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's incredible. I am I'm so blessed. You know, I, I wouldn't be making the plays that I make without them, and I don't think they get enough credit. You know, especially John and Lecky. You know, they do such a phenomenal job to keep Devin and I clean when we come through our gaps, and then even like 
when we blitz, you know, we'll blitz, we, people are scared of them, so then it keeps us free and keeps the safeties free, and so we're just lucky to have them. So watching Utah throughout their Pac-12 history, as that line's gotten more recognition, we've been waiting. It's like, why aren't linebackers flocking to play behind these guys? And you can every couple of years incrementally say, hey, they're getting better at that position, they're getting better. Do you feel like young linebackers out there, maybe you see guys on recruiting trips or whatever, are they looking at Utah differently now because of who they get to play behind or who oh, they, they would? I think so. I think, uh, you know, they see just the kind of guys that come in, especially for the interior defensive linemen. They're like, dang, like, those guys keep me clean and so, you know, I can make the plays. But, you know, also it's it's also the scheme, too. The scheme allows the linebackers to flow fast and, and read fast and just run. And so, um, you know, for all young linebackers out there who are looking to, you know, really play linebacker, this is a great school to come to. Just, just like what you say, you know, our linemen do a phenomenal job keeping them clean and a phenomenal job to just pretty much make the linebackers look good. Did the loss to SC heighten the intensity, the concentration, and the focus of the team? Oh, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, not that we went into the, the game um, nonchalant, but it was just, you know, there was just a lot of things, you know, obviously that went wrong in the game. But as soon as you know, we lost, you know, we took it to heart and just our, fo- our, re- our focus just uh, went up a notch. And, you know, we ever since then, just every week, we've continued to get, we, uh, we wanted to get better every single week. So when you watch film on Washington, what do they do really well? Where are you going to be tested? They run their base stuff really well. You know, they're going to try to trick us with uh, shifts and motions early, early and just honestly throughout the game. But the shifts in motion all will come back to what they do, you know, in their base stuff. You know, they, they will run the ball. They're going to come down and, you know, try to run the ball down our throat. And then after that, you know, they'll run naked boot. But uh, because they, they got a great quarterback. And so, you know, out of their base stuff, you know, they just do a phenomenal job of playing uh, team ball. And their offense is good. So since that SC game, obviously the defense is just absolutely dominated. The stats are incredible, you know, three points and zero points, all that stuff. And so now you go up to Seattle, should be a packed house. You're ranked in the top ten. How much do you have to be prepared to getting whatever Washington has in them in terms of their best shot? I mean, it, we're, we're taking it, you know, just like another week. Uh, you know, we know they got they got good stuff that, you know, that's capable of beating our defense. And so we just got to come in every single day ready to prepare, just like, you know, we – the, the way after the SC game, it's kind of like everyone's just preparing like it's our last game. And so as we continue to have that same mentality, you know, we'll continue to have the same results. And so. So not looking at film like you watching games on TV, it looks like ASU and Washington probably have the best running backs you have to face. Yeah. Watching film for games, is that the, number one, is that the way it looks to you? And number two, how would you compare those two backs? Oh, yeah. I mean, Eno's second to none. You know, I – I give him all, all the credit in the world. He's a phenomenal back. Uh, he could do just about anything, catch the ball, run, block. Um, you know, the Braxton we're facing this week, Ahmad, uh, Sal- I don't even know their names. I'm not. Salvan Ahmad. Ahmad is really fast, good uh, outside back. 25 is a good back. You know, they're all just solid backs. Um, and so we just got to be prepared for every single one of them because they could all, you know, make something happen and make us miss in the open field. And so they're good. So did Samson Nakua say, hey, take it easy on my brother or hit him harder? I mean, hit him hard. You know, if he comes in the middle, you know, I'm at the cleanest clock. So, yeah, I mean, he's got to be prepared. So you look at these last three games, as I said, uh, and, I, and I, I know what your answer is going to be to this question because every every player would say this, but you guys have been defensively so dominant. How can you absolutely be even better? There's always room to improve, you know. We, we go back and look at the film, you know, guys just not being in the right position, guys being not disciplined. You know, it, it, the – Overall score, overall uh, stats may look good, but you know there's always room to improve. You know in every every aspect of the game. Well, I mean, you gave up four yards to ASU passing, so you're talking three. 
Maybe zero. Zero. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you got me there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for a few minutes. We'll leave it right there. You need to. I guess the message is you need to improve on allowing four yards of passing. Yeah. So good luck with that. Go to work on that. Appreciate it. Yep. All right. All thanks right, a thanks lot. Francis. Yep. There's PK and I with Francis Bernard, Brian Keel coming up next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It is time to talk BYU football with Brian Kale. Brian, good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. You know, you are a former Cougar player, and you love your Cougars, and you grew up here locally, and you know about the rivals, and you just seem to be getting into it on Twitter with Aggie and Ute fans all the time. Do you really enjoy <laughs> that, or are you trying to figure out how to extricate yourself from that? Or you're like, bring it on. I want more of this. <laughs> That's funny that you said that. Um, so I do enjoy it probably more than, than I should. And, um, and, and I don't know. It's just different for me. I grew up in Salt Lake surrounded by Ute fans in the family of diehard season ticket holder BYU fans. And so I've kind of lived in enemy territory my whole life. And I came of age in the 90s when the rivalry really came alive. I was, I was, you know, three years old in, in the 80s, three, four, five years old in the 80s when it wasn't a rivalry. And um, in 93, when Utah really kind of made it a rivalry, I, um, I uh, was nine years old. So I remember that and grew up in it. I love it. Twitter is now the, the playground where that takes place. And so I love, I love interacting, engaging, trash-talking, whatever you want to call it, with Utah fans, with Utah State fans, with, with everybody. It's fun for me. So because they have that independent schedule, the schedule changes every year, obviously, but you do have some mainstays. And so far, those mainstays have been Utah, Boise, and Utah State. And with that in mind, that without any conference games, that's essentially a form of your conference game. So for you, how much added importance is there on the Utah State game as far as BYU winning? Yeah, so I, you know, I, I riled some, some Aggies. Um, I think it was last week. Made the comment that Utah State is the little brother of BYU and Utah. And, you know, the Aggies came out. I knew they would. The Aggies came after me for it. Um, and, and it's true. They have been the little brother. I don't care what you want to argue. But that doesn't mean little brother can't beat you. It doesn't mean little brother doesn't hit puberty, grow up, get big, all of a sudden – you know, he's got muscles now, and he can hit you in the mouth. And Utah State absolutely has done that the last several years. I mean, they beat us two in a row, and three out of the last four, whatever it is, and uh, three out of the last five. And um, so, yeah, so, you know, the, the history of the rivalry hasn't changed, and the way BYU has dominated hasn't changed. But in recent years, Utah State has the edge, and they will absolutely beat us this week if we don't take care of our business. And so it is, it is an important game. It's a key game. It's a critical game. It's a pride game. And, and we have to go, go play 
like we're capable of, not not play crappy football that we've been susceptible to this season. All right, you're a former linebacker, and we have talked to you this year about just the horrific run defense that BYU has had, which is very unusual for BYU. They're usually pretty stout against the run, or very stout against the run, but they're not usually bad. Now, we've heard about Kalani taking a more hands-on roll, the whole drop eight, rush three thing. You went into it with us a couple weeks ago. How about that? How that puts the players in a tough spot, makes it harder to defend the run because of what they're doing. But it seemed like things changed against Boise State a little bit. Do you expect that to continue, or because it's been a roller coaster ride all year, all bets are off and the roller coaster probably continues? Yeah, so whatever happens in the box and on the sidelines and throughout the week before the Boise game, that needs to be replicated against Utah State. Obviously, it worked. And, you know, I, I talked, in fact, I talked to um, a teammate of mine, Cameron Denton, on the phone yesterday totally unrelated to football, just about something else. But, you know, we obviously chatted for a minute about the season and um, both, you know, frustrated and disappointed about the, the, the just the odd season that we've had. And um, Cameron didn't didn't know anything about the the switch up that happened against Boise. And he was he was kind of surprised to hear that. And then kind of echoed the same sentiments that I had, like, well, it worked. We better keep doing that. And, um, you know, for anybody watching, you know, there was, there was an improvement in uh, our sense of urgency and the, the, the way the players responded, you know, their, their excitement, their energy levels, and just the execution. There's so many ways that it was, was better. And so, you know, going forward to, to this game against the Aggies, I would expect us to do the same thing have an improvement against stopping the run because we've been bad at that all year. We took a big step forward against against Boise, but we still weren't great. So we need to be better there and just you know just take care of business all, all around the board. So I, that's what I would expect. How much is that is incumbent upon the leadership, whether it's a junior or senior or whatever grade you might be in, because you've showed it a little bit now to make sure that it repeats itself and the leadership demanding everybody else not revert back to what we've seen in some of the games earlier this season? Leadership is key. So, um, you know, it's, it's easy for me to speak from my experience, um, so I will. My, my first season at BYU was 2002. It, it was BYU's first losing season in 30 years. And that was my true freshman year. Um, and I've said this before, I think that was the most talented team I played on in terms of just individual talent. Um, it was, you know, so 2002, if you remember, that's the year after 2001, where BYU was top in the country in offense, Gary Croton's first year. Um, they go 12-2. and two. You know, just amazing offense. Defense was was mediocre at best, but the offense was fantastic. Full of talent. Okay, so in 2002, the wheels fall off, and and I look back at that team, and that team again. I say it was probably the most talented team I played on. You know, more talented than the 05, 06, 07 teams that I played on after my mission. Even though those football teams were better, the 2002 team had more NFL guys. So why did we suck so bad? It was, in my opinion, it was leadership. We had talented players, but I don't think we had the necessary leadership to take to take the command, to take the onus, to to you know, grab people by the face mask if you need to, and and and, and just do everything that that needs to be done 
from a, from a leadership standpoint, it doesn't matter what year you are in the program. And, um, you know, if, if you look back, that, that's my opinion. So, so for this team this year, that's exactly what they need to do. The guys who are in leadership positions, they need to step up and uh, they need to take care of, they need to take care of business. So looking at the season as a whole, if they beat Utah State, if BYU beats Utah State, they would be 4-4 four and four with three games that they would be heavily favored in and they ought to win. That would be 7-4. and four. Going to San Diego State for a chance at eight wins. I predicted seven. I thought eight was top shelf. Somebody brought up ten earlier this season, and I completely dismissed it, which in retrospect, if they'd closed the fourth quarter against Toledo and South Florida, it would actually be in play. But all that aside... If they get this Aggie game, for all the roller coaster, could you see this season ending up in a spot where you'd say, as a former Cougar player, you know, it had its ups and downs, but that actually was a pretty good year. Yeah, so um, if we went out and we, we finished 8-4, and four, it's, a, it's a good year, not a great year. It's not a disaster. It's, it's kind of somewhere in the middle. And it, I think it helps us, you know, Having eight wins with a win over Boise and a win over USC versus say we had lost to those two schools and beat Toledo and South Florida, I'd rather take the wins over Boise and and USC. Now, obviously, I'd rather take all the wins, but it's still a good year, and and that's what this the the coaches. The staff they need to impress upon the players and the leadership players need to impress upon the whole team is is that the year the year's not over we got a lot to play for it's very important and you know just our positioning for recruiting and and just there's so many different aspects so it's important that we win out it's important that we go to a bowl game it's important that we do well in a bowl game all these things matter and so if that if that outcome happens as a former player I'll be pleased with the way that we we rebounded after two devastating losses to Toledo and South Florida and finished out to have a good year, I'll still be disappointed because, in my opinion, those losses shouldn't have happened. But um, there's, there's still a lot to play for. So that would be the focus, in my opinion. So if that does happen, given the fact that they're playing a lot of young guys, does that bode promising for the future in your mind? Yeah, so um, I, I try to be a – a glass half full kind of guy. I try to be optimistic and I try to look at the silver lining in, in unfortunate circumstances. And so this, this is, this isn't a given, but this is what you hope. You hope that a crappy loss against Toledo or against South Florida is enough of a learning experience that it gets you two, three, four, five wins next season or the season after that that you wouldn't have had. That, again, that doesn't mean that that's a given. It doesn't mean that that automatically happens, but that's what you hope for. And, and that type of scenario can happen. It absolutely can happen. Where as a young player, you learn something. Because regardless, no matter what, this is just a, a, true, a truism of sport. You learn more in a loss than you do in a win. It's just, that's just proven. It's, it's not debatable. So... And, and again, it's not a given. It's, it's, all, it's potentially, you can potentially learn more in a loss than you can in a win. But you have to be willing to learn it. So hopefully these guys, especially the young guys, they picked up some nuggets from those crappy games that really benefits us 
down the road this season, next season, the season after that. And that's the type of momentum that you build year after year so that you can, can buoy up a program and, and kind of progress along the path of, of where we would like to go. All right, it's BYU. It's all about the quarterback. Which quarterback would you start? I would start. Um, I would start Jaron. Uh, a couple of reasons. I've said before. I, I'm biased. I, I've known Jaron his whole life, and so it's it's you know it's 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 it's, it's a biased situation for me. So that I, I'd be a liar if I didn't say that that affects it. But even aside from the bias, um, you know, just look at numbers. You know, people, fans are so skewed by wins and losses. And obviously a quarterback affects that outcome more than any other position, but it's still a team game and you still win or lose as a team. And it's just kind of funny because we beat Boise, the perception is that Baylor played so much better. Whereas he he did play a fantastic game, but it's not like he played better than Jaron did. Jaron played absolutely great the week before and and played a winning, a winning game. In fact, he he had a, a higher QBR than Baylor did in the win against the win against um, Boise. So, so my point is, you know, if 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 Jaron is your backup, he didn't do anything to lose that spot, then he's your guy. That's that's the way I would do it. I think he played a great game, and so I would go with him. That being said, they're both great quarterbacks. They've both shown that they can perform. So I think we're in good hands. Whoever the coaches decide to start. So we know that arch rival Utah has a massive game in Seattle against Washington. The Utes are top 10. If they win, they can take a gigantic step towards winning the South and maybe for themselves even going 11-1. and My thought for you is how much do you think Utah's success on the football field negatively affects BYU's team? So I, I want to take this chance. I know a lot of Utah fans listen to me on your show. And I've been battling with them on Twitter about Tyler Huntley. I called him a game manager week one against BYU because he had game manager numbers. Yeah, He's had a fantastic year. And I have said to Utah fans on Twitter repeatedly that if he comes out and torches Washington as he has some of the lesser Pac-12 opponents, I will eat all the crow in the world. So <laughs> any Utah fans that are listening right now, you heard it right here. I'm a man of my word. If Tyler Huntley torches the Huskies this weekend, I will eat all the crow you want and <laughs> acknowledge that I was deadly wrong about him being a game manager. But if that doesn't happen, I'm standing by to my game manager assessment. So anyway, to answer your question, um, it's tough. It's tough for so, – so, you know, BYU and, and Utah are, are kind of, you know, cousins. They're, uh, or, you know, they're, 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 they're intertwined and – it's, it's tough for BYU to see the success that Utah's had. And, and they have been on an upward trajectory ever since they hopped into the, the Pac-12. Their, their athletic department budget has gone up. Their recruiting has gone up. Their facilities have gone up. Their national exposure has gone up. It's all been on the rise. And it's tough. You know, BYU's kind of, you know, I've made this reference before. They're, they're standing in their tux waiting to go to prom without a date, you know, and we're just kind of waiting outside of the dance. We can't get in. And, um, and it's tough. It, it, it affects us. The, it absolutely affects us in recruiting um, because it is, it is a zero-sum game, um, recruiting. So every big recruit that Utah gets is a recruit that we, we can't get. 
And obviously I know that there's different guys that they target, different guys that we target, but there's still a lot of overlap. And so, you know, the success of their program absolutely has an impact, not always negative, but always absolutely has an impact on our program. And this is what I, what I would like. Nothing would be better in my mind than for the Aggies, the Utes, and the Cougars to be nationally ranked every single season. I think that'd be good for the state of Utah. It'd be good for, for high school football here. It'd be good for the fans. And um, so, you know, as, as much as it hurts me to see Utah's success, it, it's good. It's good for the state, and it, it, it's good for football here, and they're doing their part. So now the, the Cougars, my team, and the Aggies, we got to do our part. we got to pick our game up because we're not getting it done. Well, at the risk of helping you dig a deeper hole here with Ute fans, I'm curious about the Tyler Huntley. I kind of get the game manager against BYU. It was the opener. It was a new offensive coordinator. They wanted to keep stuff under wraps for a college. They just or for a conference. They just wanted to get through the game and stay healthy, especially once they had a lead. So I kind of get all that. But in the conference games, to at least to me, it seems like he's clearly been an impact player and he's way past the game manager stage but you don't want to say that you're still waiting to see if he does it to washington no so yeah so basically he i and i've acknowledged this he's played absolutely phenomenal football um the the thing that i've said is the it's been it's been kind of adjusted by the schedule utah their their sadron is like 46 in the country you know they've played a very soft schedule and he has benefited from that. He's taken advantage of it and has played great football. But you can't ignore that. They've played some really crappy teams, and he's had good games against them. And the point that I've made to Utah fans on Twitter is if you look at – so he plays BYU, he throws for 100 yards, and it is totally a game manager. And then Utah loses to USC, he has a poor game. And then Utah plays a bunch of crappy teams, he tears it up. Then they play a good team in Arizona State, and he has a poor game. And um, then uh, really the game that was kind of the outlier was against Cal. Cal is, is finally they play a team with a good defense, and, he, and, and on top of that he has a good game. He only played for half. And so it was kind of it was a weird situation. He had a dump-off pass to, to Moss. That he took 73 yards that really boosted his numbers. So, so my point is, you know, I'm fully willing to give him all the credit in the world. I just would like to see him do it against a real defense. And, um, you know, this. so that's why I've said this is it. You know, Washington is a complete football team, offense, defense, special teams. And um, if he can go out there and, and, and play the way he's been playing against them, then, like I said, I'll eat all the crow in the world. I've acknowledged that he's played great football. I've just – I just discounted it because of, of the competition. So it is what it is, and if people don't want to like that, that's fine. They're 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 um, entitled to their opinion. That's just uh, what I have seen. So he's Brian Keel. He joins us every week, part of the Red and the Blue, and he'll be available on Twitter if you'd like to argue with him. And I sense many of you would. Brian, thanks for joining us. Look forward to it. We'll talk to you again next week. Yeah, I've I've taken a, a seven day Twitter fast. Because I, I got into it too much, I realized it was it was unhealthy for my psyche. So I'll, I'll be back in a couple of days. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Brian. Yep, take care. There's Brian Keel, the blue. We will have the red. Kyle Gunther coming up about 8 a.m. or so. But it's Joe Ingles next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. 
Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ, PK, and Joe Ingles joins us pretty much every Thursday. He came in at 9.45 right at the end of the show. For you early risers, what does Joe think of load management? What does he think of getting all the two new teammates to fit in? And Halloween. Joe, what's it going to look like at the Ingles household? Here's Joe Ingles with PK and I on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Hey, yeah. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show <laughs> with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. The Joe Ingles Show is brought to you by your hardworking friends at Mountainland Supply. For all your plumbing and irrigation needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com. Joe joins us now on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit a local Sprint store near you. Joe, good morning. Good morning. How are we doing? We're doing well. I'm curious with all the new faces here. For a while there, it felt like a season would end and a season would start, but it felt like the continuation of the same story. And I kind of feel like we're reading, a, it's a new story here. Now, you're back and Donovan's back and Rudy's back, so it's obviously not like everything changed. But a lot changed. How does it feel to you? Um, I mean, it's definitely different. Um, I don't think there's any point of trying to pretend it's the same or it's going to be the same or the success we had was just going to roll over to, to this year. Um, obviously, what, what the Jazz did in the organization with the Millers and the and Dennis and, and Justin and all them coach um, put us in, obviously, a really good position this year to, to, to be successful. But um, it, it was funny when we played Phoenix the other day I was talking to, to Ricky before the game, and he was like, he was looking at our warm up, and he was like, "Man, I, don't, I haven't played with any of these guys. Like the team was so different that he, there's only obviously a few of us that are, that are here from last year. So um, it's definitely different. It's different in a good way. Um, and obviously, right now we're we're trying to figure it out and and make it all work. So, Joe, you're in your sixth NBA season, and in that time, you've missed a total of four games. What do you think of load management in October? <laughs> Somebody asked me this yesterday, actually. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I don't like it, um, but in saying that, um, I would, would obviously never judge anybody's personal situation or, or whatever, unless you, you kind of know what's going on, um, especially what, what I was going through last year with, with Jacob. It made it um, even clearer for me to, to obviously not judge other people because you never know what's going on. Um, obviously, majority of the time it is it is injury or recovery or, or whatever. Um, I've always tried to, to play every game I possibly could, Um 
that's just me. Um, I, I think there was, I think it was last year or the year before, whatever it was, in the last game of the year, and everyone was talking about resting some guys because we were, I think we were fifth or whatever, no matter yeah. what. And, and coach has spoken to me about it. And I just didn't. It's just not. I just would rather play if I'm healthy. Why? Why not play? Um, I think the flip side of that is obviously the fans, the the organisations. Um, these people put a, a lot of money into us to playing and a lot of spending a lot of money to, to watch us play. Um, so for me, I feel like it's um, I, I I should go out there and, and try and do the best I can to um, maybe it's a little kid or or some parents that are on a night out or whatever it is, but. Um, yeah, it's just me. Um, obviously, everyone's different, and, and everybody has a different um, kind of <laughs> role or whatever it is with, with their team that they they need to do it sometimes. So, um, I have no doubt we'll probably do it at some point this year. Um, but in, until that day comes, I'm gonna I'm gonna play every game I can. Joe Ingles joined us here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We were talking this morning about things that have surprised us about the Jazz, maybe a little, maybe a lot. Uh, obviously, it's mostly positive and winning most of your games here. Uh, anything that's really surprised you as the team has come together? Um, I wouldn't, yeah, I don't know about surprise, but just uh, I think um, I think after preseason without obviously reading it into it, too much, but we have. I mean, we didn't have much time, obviously, together with with the guys that were the World Cup and and all of us kind of coming together, especially with a new group and um, a system that that takes time to, to get comfortable with. And um, not that I was concerned in the preseason, but uh, I think the the defensive end in preseason was something that we um, wasn't isn't us wasn't us. Um, not that I was concerned that that was going to roll over to the regular season, but the, I think we'd given up 128 or four out of the five games or something like that, 126 plus or something like that. Um, so we're thinking that you're, you're going into the season, obviously hoping that um, that's not the way it's going to be. And um, like I said, I wasn't concerned, but you just don't want it to keep rolling over. And um, luckily, we we didn't, and we've we've we're, we're back to the defensive team that that we we knew we should be. So how much time did you spend in the gym with Conley teaching him how to shoot? <laughs> I don't know. I think Boyan and a couple other guys can teach both of us how to shoot at the moment. So, um, no, I, I said it in the radio last night. I, the, um, it, it was it was really cool for me to see, and I, I don't know if other guys saw it or even thought about it, but um, obviously that that's the, the mic that we've played against for me for five years and him in the league for 13, I think. Um, but just to see him come in every day, and then obviously he's a veteran playing 13-odd years or whatever, um, but to see him come in every day and still be confident and still be the same guy and still get his work in before or after, um, everything he needed to do, he, he I think when you... you not that he was struggling because he was still playing well for us. He just was, was missing some shots. But um, you can overthink it or you can try and force it. And um, for me, watching a guy like that and um, seeing him just kind of go about his business and, and for the reward to obviously come, um, well, it was really cool. And uh, I think something that, that a lot of people could, could take some stuff from. 
I asked Quinn Snyder at the shoot-around. Uh, I know he's gotten on you to shoot more in the past, and you're not shooting a lot now, less than six, a little less than six shots per game. And I asked him if you, you know, if that was with the team, the way it's constructed now, if that's what he wanted or if he wanted more. And he gave me an answer, and i got to be honest, when he was done, I wasn't positive if you should be shooting more or not. Has he given you clear direction on this, or do you not talk about it? Where does that stand? Um, uh, we haven't talked about it because it doesn't need to be spoken about. It's not something that's um, – he hasn't told me to shoot X amount of times or, or not shoot X amount of times. Um, at the end of the day, obviously, when I come in and, and I said last night again, it's like they're figuring out my role is, is, um, it is different and, and I'm figuring out on the way. And I think um, for me, each game's got a little bit better. Um, just finding out how I can get in the game whenever that point is in that first quarter and, and impact the game. And um, but I've, I mean, I've we've talked about this for four years now, five years, whatever. That <laughs> it's that the offense has been shooting one shot or fifteen shots isn't gonna, and and I'm not gonna let it um, affect the way I play. I think I. If I'm open, I'm going to shoot it. Uh, I'm not going to shoot a bad shot. I'm not going to force it. If that's me shooting three shots a game, then that's me shooting three shots a game. I think with the guys we've brought in, especially offensively, um, we've got a, a really talented team. And um, It's been Donovan this year. It's been Boyan. Last night was Mike. Um, guys have stepped up at different times. And um, if, if I was that worried about it, I, I would probably have to ask for a trade or something because that's... It's just not the way we move the ball. We play together. If if that's me getting the shot at the end, great. If not, it'll be someone else, and, and we all believe that that person will, will make that shot. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to figure it out kind of each game and, and each week how I can impact the game. And um, yeah, I think I'm slowly but surely figuring it out. You know, and you you're right. You've been talking about this for years, and you always seem so comfortable in what I call your NBA skin, and whatever role you have to do, that's what you'll do as long as it's helping the team win, and that's who you've been. I'm wondering how much you can attribute to that, to the fact that you've literally played basketball all over the world on so many different teams, so things for you haven't really been consistent for like a huge stretch of time. You've always had to adapt to whatever the team needs, and maybe is that the reason why it's not that big of an adjustment now for you because this is what you do and what you've done for many many years yeah it's a part of it I've, I mean obviously before coming here I played for five different teams in six years right. or, or whatever the number was so um, trying to figure out a different role a different team a different system different coach um, and again you're figuring it out on the fly because you spend nine months in Europe you go home for a couple months and then you're in a new team and a new system and um the flip side of that is uh, I just want to win games. Right. You know, if that's whatever that role is, I want to be a part of a an organization that's committed to winning, which which obviously with the Millers and, and Justin and Dennis and um, all those guys, that they are. And we've got a great coach. We've got a great team. And um, even for me, just being here for the six years, I, I think each year I've probably had a, not completely different role, but it's been different in in some way. Um, from a, from the start of, of coming off the bench for a little bit here and there to to ending up starting and being a kind of role player, and then I think last year was um, the amount 
I had the ball was probably the most I've ever had in my career. Um, and to create for my team and help help win and and that was really fun. We won fifty games, but it, but it still wasn't enough. We we lost in the in the playoffs, and now we've got a new team. We've we've got a deeper team, uh, um, probably one of the, the best teams I've played on since being here. And um, now my role is to come off the bench, and I'll, I'll figure that out and make that work. And um, again, at the end of the day, it's it's about our team winning. Um, and obviously, very early on, five ge- five games in, we've been doing that, but. It's a long way to go. We'll, we'll keep figuring it out. I think we'll, we'll get better and better as the year goes on and, and the new guys get more and more comfortable. And um, I think like, like last night, you saw Mike really not just making his shots, but he, he just looked more comfortable out there too. And um, obviously, the more we're out there and playing games, the, the more that's going to happen. You're probably aware Donovan Mitchell's kind of popular around here, and that means that people look at him eh, and dissect. Probably got him covered. <laughs> probably they dissect every little thing about him. You know, how does he look different in his third year, and how does he look more experienced <laughs> or more comfortable? How does it look to you? Um, I don't want to say the same in ter- like and make it sound like he, he's the same player, but very similar. Uh, I don't think. Um, uh, I think for him too, a lot of this is figuring out. Like I said last year, me and him had the ball <laughs> nearly every possession, really, um, that, that we were out there. And, and now it's um, obviously we've got Mike, we've got Boyum, we've got Jeff coming in. Our team is um, is a lot deeper, a lot more playmakers, a lot of, a lot more guys that can can, like you said before, get shots, shoot the ball. Um, there's going to be games that, that he, he doesn't have 20 and everyone's going to be shocked and probably thinks he's had a horrible game, but he might have eight assists or he might have a bigger role on the defensive end depending on who he's guarding. Um, I think the other night, I can't remember what game it was, it might have been the Phoenix game where, where Boyan had taken over a little bit and, and Donovan had so much, I thought Donovan looked like he had so much more energy towards the end of the game than, than what he had at certain times last year because of the load he had to carry last year. Um, uh, I think that's a, a positive, and I think, again, he'll keep figuring it out, when, when, which we all are. I think you, you're trying to figure out when you can be aggressive, when you know it, when it's um, time to move the ball, when it's time to shoot the ball. Um, and I think we'll, we'll all keep doing that. But I, I, I was, it, it was cool to see him kind of figure it out along the way and then obviously we went to him late and he and he made plays and uh, got fouled or whatever and we, we win the game so um, he, he's, he's going to keep getting better each year and we've talked about it before that how professional he is and, and how humble he is and how committed he is and um, yeah I just I have no doubt that, that he's going to get better and better each year and, and obviously he's he's a huge part of this franchise for, for a long long time so you saw the Lakers and you saw Dwight Howard play, and he's all tatted up now. And I'm wondering, who do you think has the better lion tat, Rubio or Dwight Howard? Oh, Rubio, no doubt. Rubio, no doubt? Know. Yeah. I mean, Ricky's my guy, so I'm always going to pick him over a comparison like that. Well, that's just a personal <laughs> preference, though. Did you, did you get an up-close look of uh, Howard's... Uh... I didn't get up close to it. I've obviously seen Ricky's because I sat next to him on the plane for two years. Um, I thought Howard's was pretty cool. I'm thinking that might be an Ingalls thing later on down the line. Regardless of the tattoo, (laughs) if there was a comparison of those two, I'm taking Ricky any day of the week. 
What's Joe Ingles being for Halloween? <laughs> well, well, we leave today. Um, so? A little road trip. Okay, fine. Well, it's still Halloween. My Miller's obsessed with, with Elsa and Frozen, as yeah. she has been, which probably every little three, four-year-old girl is at the moment. Sure. Um, so she's got a little Elsa outfit, and somehow... Renee made that um, come with a six foot eight Olaf outfit. <laughs> there we go. Which I don't know how that worked, but um, I, I tried it on the other day and I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. So um, I, I had to wear it for for quite a while. But um, yeah, no, nah, I don't even. I'm not sure what Jacob's outfit was, but. Probably Woody or something. He loves Toy Story. So. Oh, who doesn't? Add a kid. Who doesn't? Add a kid. Doesn't Bola, doesn't Bola Jack look like uh, the Toy Story guy, Infinity and Beyond? Buzz Lightyear? <laughs> Buzz Lightyear? Yeah, doesn't he? <laughs> no, no comment. He might <laughs> I gotta see him. I gotta see him too often. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can tell him we think so. All right, Joe, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Good luck on the trip. We'll talk to you again next week. Appreciate it. No worries, guys. There's Joe Ingles. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Undefeated NFL and college football teams putting it on the line. We'll tell you about that next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.